Welcome to episode six of Mindful Decontamination for First Responders. And today we have a special guest, Daniel Sundahl, known as Dan Sun, on the internet and around the world. And we're very excited to have you. Hey, thanks, Craig. Pleasure to be here. Special guest. Yeah, special guest. No, like I just made a cup of tea and I am crazy about you, Daniel. And I, we've talked before, Mm -hmm. so I know your story and... I, you know, I wrote a little blog thing about you, but you are like a hero to me. You are well, living your, you are living your fullest life and you are addressing your demons head on and while giving back, while changing so many people's lives through your artwork. So, um, do you want to say, so I'm so, I just needed to get it out there because I'm like a giddy little schoolgirl Cause I just think <laughs> what you're doing is so amazing as an artist for me being an artist and being a, an art therapist and being a first responder advocate, like you are the bomb to me. You are- oh, that's, that's very nice for you to say, Kathy. And I appreciate all your support. You've been a supporter of my artwork for, for a very long time. And you know, because of the images that I create are, I don't create them for other people, they're very personal to me. So when people really connect to them, that I sincerely appreciate that, so thank you. Yeah, so tell people about your artwork, and we're going to have everything listed uh, on how to see your artwork. But tell, let's hear your story. Give us, tell us your story. Holy smokes. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> I guess we'll, I guess we'll do the dance on story. So I, I've been a paramedic firefighter since 2000, full time paramedic firefighter, an advanced care paramedic since 2003. Nice. Thank you. I, I became a primary care paramedic or in, in, it depends where you call it up here in Canada, we have primary care and advanced care. So some places would be an EMT back in 1994, 96-ish. Uh, so I've been, in, I've been in the game for a long time. And uh, 2012, uh, 2012, 2014 is actually when I started doing the artwork uh, as a result of a PTSD diagnosis where my therapist thought it would be a good idea, a good way for me to process it at the time. My work is all, was all photo-based. I was doing pictures of my dogs and landscaping and stuff. Not landscaping, pictures of landscapes. And uh, he thought it might be a good idea to kind of stage and photograph and paint the calls that I've that that haunt me. And I thought, that's a horrible idea. Why would I want to do that? Like, right. Why dive that into sounds, that shit? That sounds terrible. Like, it turns out it's a genius idea. Right. Then I have to think about it and process it. And I'm trying to avoid it. And he goes, trust me, try it. Uh, and so I did, and it was great. So during it takes a long, very emotional, like it, it was, it's difficult. Uh, but during it takes about a week to do. And yeah, I really process the, the emotions that I have about that particular event or that complex idea. And during that time, when I create the artwork, I try to reproduce how I feel versus what I see. And yeah, I think that emotion really comes out. So it's very emotional and that's, I purge it. So it comes out of my, I describe it as a, as an organic monster that invades my consciousness uninvited is what these, some people call them flashbacks. Um, I don't really have flashbacks. I have other things that happen, but, uh, and that's kind of where I get the motivation for to create the artwork. Uh, I'll think of this idea or this emotion or something happens and I just kind of meditate it on a little bit. And then this picture pops in my head of how I'm going to express that, that idea. And then I stage it um, with my, my camera take pictures and I stage it with my peers and uh, digitally draw and paint on top of that photograph. So I started doing that in 2014. 
is when I started doing that. It was very, I think, very personal for me. It's all my own thing. Never shared it for a long time because I thought at the time people would, you know, would not appreciate right. showing emergency workers in a vulnerable state, which a lot of my artwork does. Uh, so I never thought that it would be so well accepted. What I didn't realize is that my peers really connected to my artwork based on their own experiences. I didn't think that was going to happen because I thought I was by myself. I thought I was the only weird one in the room. That and that's the problem, problem right? Us, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? And that's the thing. So we all think it's, we all think it's our own, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm broken. And then I did the artwork for myself and then I shared it. And that's when my life changed. When I, sh when I shared the first picture, um, yeah. I went from 30 to 30,000 followers on Facebook in a day. And I, that's when I realized that so many other people connected to what I was feeling. And that was, that in itself was rewarding. Uh, and that's just kind of steamrolled since then, since 2014. And that's kind of how it started. So 100%, you completely, you take, I mean, I, I've been an EMT since 1987 and, and a paramedic for 30 years, whatever. You and I are very parallel lives, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm there with you. I, I process mine through words. But when I see one of your one of your creations, I just go, mm -hmm. been yep. there, got that. Yep. Like it's an instant understanding, and and you take it and you put it in an image that says, yeah. I I always say a picture says a thousand words. I think yours say a hundred thousand words. Mm -hmm. Like your images say a hundred thousand or a million words. We yeah, can thank you. Just exponentially, and it's it's just amazing, Dan. Yeah, when I when I hear my peers say that, like when I hear my brothers say that and sisters say that, like that validates me that I'm, and that's a big thing that I've learned since then is, you know, we really need, you know, validation, understanding, and support. So when people connect to my artwork based on their own experience, and I and I believe that it's it's less about the artwork really, and more about your own experiences. Um, I think the artwork is just a catalyst for you to connect for other people to connect to it. But uh, when I hear that, then yeah, that really validates what I'm doing because I don't create the artwork for you. I don't create the artwork for people that connect to it so deeply. Um, I am so grateful that it happens that way, but I didn't create it for anyone else. But I think that's why people connect to it because it's so authentic. Yeah. And it's probably you know? so universal in your field that like that's which no one, like you guys said, talked about, but I, I've got to step in here and say, I'm an outsider because I am not in the, I'm not a responder. And I think if I hadn't had to go on my own journey and I hadn't like pursued art therapy and all that, and like, I, I know the power of what you did and your work, like, I think civilians would look at it, maybe some uh, is my guess, would look at it and be like, holy shit, like, holy shit. But I think it's so unbelievably profound. And so for us civilians, again, I go back to civilians versus responders. We need to see that. We need to see so? that. Do you think yes. that? You, hmm. Yes. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't, I know. I hear a lot of people say that. A lot of people say they, people need to know, but I don't, I don't know if people, and maybe it's because of the trauma I'm going through currently, but I don't know if people really need to, know the stuff that we do they don't i don't think they need to know about the pediatric trauma codes we experience i don't think they need to know the details of what we do um no it would but be nice do, if they they do need to know we're human and yes. we yeah. we need and you're to exposed know that we're human. Over. 
Yeah, that's I the can, thing. We totally, need to know yeah. we're human. Like yeah. we need, because I know that I, I can I can tell yeah. you, like when you said you were in the beginning, you're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, we can't show this about ourselves. We are superhuman. We can't show vulnerability. But you you are breaking so many barriers by proving and showing, not only are you showing that you can process the trauma we've been through by getting it out of your body, like like literally you're like exercising it from you. You're sticking it on a piece of paper and you're going through the emotional. And I, I know what you go through when you, cause I've, I've done the same thing when I've written a story and you cry and you, you labor over it and you, you can't look at it sometimes and you can't read it. In my case, you can't read it. And then you go back and you can, and then you cry again and it's tough, but, but we need to, we need to make sure that, we understand that this is happening to every single one of us. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I think the public should, should know that we're human. They, they should humanize us. I, I agree with that. Um, but I don't think they necessarily need to know the individual or the specific traumas that we experience and what we, um, I don't think they really need to know what our, what our job entails. No, uh, again, I don't think you need my, to show that. This is, my own, this is my own opinion, uh, but it would be nice that they, if they understood that we were just like them. Um, well, this is, right? this is what I think. I think that if more civilians who have an understanding that you guys are not servants to their horror and their needs and their worst moments, maybe they wouldn't take advantage of like, you know, I'm going to call you in the middle of the night and you have to put your gear on because I can't get my batteries out of my fire alarm. Yeah. You know, or, or like the stories I've heard of civilians being rude to responders just makes me like riled up, like, yeah. getting, you know, responders getting, you know, getting grief in the, in the grocery store for buying groceries, Yeah, you know, and I'm like, that it's, you know, you're using our money and it's like, no, a make sure you know what you're saying to someone, but how dare you? Because if you went out here and got into a car wreck, this same person you're giving shit to would go and save your life. Yeah. You know, so it's that kind of, and you can hear me pissed off. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, 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 that infuriates me too. It, it just, um, so it's that kind of stuff that we don't, we don't necessarily need to see the, you know, the horror of it, but part of me is kind of like, you know what, you can have a glimpse of it. How about, how about some compassion, which is lacking in this world? Yeah. You know, I, I, every once in a while, I'll be asked to speak at a, a photography club somewhere because they want to know how. And I love doing that because then I, I talk more about the, the techniques that I use because technically I'm kind of stuck in the middle. I don't get a lot of credit from photographers because I manipulate the photos so much and I don't get a lot of credit from artists because it's not paint on canvas, it's photography. Yeah. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle, which I'm totally fine with. I'll tread my own path, but yeah. uh, occasionally I get asked to speak at a photography thing and I want to talk about my, my editing techniques. I'm like, great. So I'll do that. I'll do my presentation, which is completely different when I present at a EMS or emergency services conference, because then I'm talking about mental health and my artwork and why I create it versus how I create it. So I'll do my presentation on, you know, the techniques I use and the equipment that I use, and I do a live edit. And, and then at the end, every time when it's time for questions, nobody wants to ask me about the photography part. They only want to ask me about what it's like to be you know, the, the trauma that's involved in the emotional strain that happens to emergency workers. Cause when I do those presentations, they're all civilians, Kath, as you'd say, they're not emergency workers, but when I'm done, they, they are not interested in the technical part of it. They want to ask and talk to me about the, 
what it's like to be an emergency worker because of the artwork that I showed them during that presentation, which is great. And it, yeah, so is that not, do you think that's provocative or do you, th do you appreciate that they want to know more about, about the content? Um, no, in that case, yeah, I'm happy to explain it to them. Uh, but the questions that they ask are, are much different than when I'm at a, like an EMS conference. Oh, I bet. Um, I bet. So yeah. it's, um, but and a lot of the time, every time they say they had no idea. They had no and idea that that was what it was like to be a paramedic or a firefighter or a police officer. They had no idea that those are the stresses that, that they and go that's under. my point. That's yeah. my point. I, I, the civilians need to be educated. So if there's one thing that I want, like that's my soapbox is, you know, let these guys sleep. Don't call them for damn batteries and a stupid smoke alarm or treat them with kindness. Or like I've had the firefighters, like at the station, I'll go in and drop by the station and we'll be talking about something. And they'll be like, oh, well, we can't sit here because people complain because they're outside doing nothing. I'm like, how dare you? I'm like, yeah, just so I, if that's kind of my little aside. Yeah. Now, Kathy, I'm going to add another level to that. And I go think it's going it. to tie into what we're going to talk about today. Okay. But imagine, um, as an emergency worker, as a first responder, who's not getting the support like that uh, from a civilian, you go to the grocery store and they're like, what are you doing spending my tax dollars? Right. Now imagine if you're that same emergency worker and you just finished a call where it was a pediatric traumatic yeah. car accident. Yeah. And then you go back to your fire hall and then you're not supported at your own fire hall, right? Like maybe your, your, your coworkers or your your officers or your managers don't give you that sanctuary to come back to. Oh yeah. I, you know, the famous quote yeah. I heard at, at work that, uh, drive me nuts. It was a uh, good job doing your job. Yeah. Right. Oh. Or, you know, I shouldn't thank you. I shouldn't thank you for doing your job. No, no, just or, good uh, job doing your job. Like you yeah. don't need thanks. That's your job. That's your job. Yeah. Deal with it. So, um, yeah, not like that's getting into the sanctuary trauma topic, yeah. but that's another, stress level that I think is much, much worse than, because I can't, I can't blame the public because uh, they just don't know what we go through and they don't, they just don't know any better. Yeah. Right. But your um, leadership does. But the leadership and most of them, they, they've been there. Uh, they've worked in those positions. Um, I don't understand why they're not more, and I'm not saying this for everybody, right? This is just, right. and it's not my own experience. This is what I've heard from many, many other um I'm, I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I get to speak to thousands of other emergency workers around the world, either, right. you know, this way through Zoom or through email or when I travel. Um, so this is just the collective things that I've experienced listening to my, my peers of, um, of how unsupported they are in their workplace, which is, which is horrible. And I, I think that's a big theory? cause of what's going on with the uh, mental stress. Yeah. This is my theory. I don't think it's ever going to get better if it is done. I, I, it, I believe that you have to go up your ranks, right? And when you go up the ranks, any those those guys become the leaders, and they haven't done their work. So how if if they haven't done their work and they're leading you, how is it going to change? How are you going to get any sort of understanding or compassion until until that flux kind of goes away and you've got the new ones that are you know the newbies? But I think that's going to be a long time. Like, yeah. Do you feel like leadership has done their work, like their emotional work? Because I, I, I can tell you, I was asked by a department during COVID, their whole, you know, the bubbles between uh, fire, the departments and then going home were burst. So there was a lot of chaos and responders didn't know what to do. So behavioral health called me 
to come and teach them techniques. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You're a behavioral health department. Do you not know techniques to teach your fucking peer support? Yeah. What, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, that there's, yeah, I've, I've, so this is my take on it is, and that's where that's like, but another art, art piece that we're going to talk about today is that they don't, well, I guess it's the same one. They, they just don't know, right? There's not, um, they don't know what to do. So usually they do the wrong thing. Default is to do and say nothing, right? Okay. Or it's, oh, well, we have this, this mental health program. You know, we have a good employment agency program. So if people need help, they can ask for help and get it. You know, checkbox, we've done our yeah. part to support mental health, right? Exactly. Um, but um, there's really no guidelines like physical injury, like occupational health and, and safety here. There's specific guidelines on what the departments need to follow when new types of equipment are introduced. You know, there's specific things we got to do. We need to do a, a safety check every, every so often. So there's very specific guidelines. And if a person is physically injured at work, you know, the government will come in and they'll investigate and they'll make sure that that department follows those guidelines. Uh, but the problem is where I'm from, there's no mental health guidelines. There is, but they're not adapted to, and, and um, uh, they're not, I don't want to say control, but there's no oversight. Like there's no government right. body saying, look, here's the mental health guidelines that you need to follow. And if a firefighter commits suicide in your department, we're going to investigate you to make sure that you've met these guidelines. Right. And it's not, that's not a foreign thing. They do that in other parts of the world. They're starting to do that in England. Um, and they do that in Australia. But, um, oh and I think when that happens, then the leadership is going to be forced to do what they do for fiscal injuries. Otherwise they won't be able to afford their insurance. They won't, they'll get, they won't be able to afford this, the, um, the fines that would come with it. Uh, and that's why, you know, if we get a new chainsaw at work, holy crap, I need to watch a 10 hour video. I need to take that thing apart. I need to, you know, learn so much about and do a course on it um, because they're, they're following those guidelines, which I think is great, right? But we don't do anything for, so for mental you health. Would, I don't know because yeah, I haven't even. spoken, yeah, I haven't spoken to you about like what the premise of like mindful decon is. I mean, if you have to physically decontaminate, why in the world would you not have to mindfully decontaminate? Yeah. It's mind-body connection. So it's just common sense. You can't experience something have it not affect your psyche, period. Like it's an impossibility. So that's kind of like what we're pushing. But I got to tell you, that makes me feel good if England is starting to, it has well, to. It, yeah, there was, and this just happened last week. I read up on it when it happened. And, and first I was really frustrated um, because they, they have an agreement. I, I wish I remember what it was called. Um, I should have been on top of my game a bit more here, but. Uh, they, they have, um, they came up with an agreement. It's a mental health support agreement that all the major agencies are signing, which is great. I'm like, wow, this is wonderful. And I read the agreement and it's super vague. It's oh, like, geez. you know, it's, there's no measurable things. So I'm like, this is, this is just a way, again, this is my own opinion. Right. Oh, um, checkbox. Right. This yeah. is just a checkbox. It's like, look, yeah. we are taking care. However, however, when I dealt, when I looked a bit more deeper into it, um, it was really good because they're going to be developed. And I hope they do what they say they're going to do is that they're going to develop those guidelines and hold the services accountable. Because okay. now what happens if, and I recently did a post about this is if I'm injured at work, step one is that I'm, I'm 
medically taken care of. Step two is there's an investigation to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, if I'm mentally injured at work, I'm taking care of where I'm from. But step two is, you know, thoughts and prayers. That's it. Yeah. Or you're fired. Or you're fired. Right. So it's not, fired? it's not the same. There's not the or same. You, or you're disciplined. Like you're, or you're disciplined. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you're two weak or there's a stigma involved. So there's no accountability. Um, it's the, the onus is put on, on you like, this is, this is what's wrong with you. So I, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be about what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Right. And that's what I think trauma informed means it's trauma informed means that the focus is on what happened to you versus what is wrong with you. And we seem to be focusing on what's wrong with you. Oh, you have PTSD. Here, yeah. take these courses to fix yourself versus, Hey, well, why do I have PTSD? We just assume it's because of that horrible calling went on, but no, maybe it's something else. At least it should be investigated. So, okay. So I, this is one thing that I think is so funny that like firefighters don't understand because no one's really ever told them or it isn't, it isn't pushed in the departments or whatever. A normal response to one call would be, you know, would have the triggers and possibly PTSD there. A normal response would be to actually go that way. That wouldn't be an abnormal response. So the fact that you guys experience trauma perpetually and it builds and builds and builds is still just like the buckets getting too full, but normal behavior is defined as like having an appropriate reaction to an event, right? So if you cut yourself off and you're numb and you're not, you're, you are unfazed by some of the crap you guys see, that's not actually a normal reaction. Or maybe it means that, that you're tough and you're meant to do this job, right? That's right. You're a good first responder. Yep. You knew what you're getting uh, yourself into. If you can't hack it, then maybe you should go become a basket weaver or something. I know, like, <laughs> it's crazy. There's people that, that have that opinion. Oh, like 100% they do. Today. Yeah. Oh, like and the majority, sure. don't you think? Yeah, I, I know some leadership oh. that feel that if you are that if you are broken, if you go off work for mental health, you you are broken. You're no good anymore. They don't, want, they don't want you back. That's a normal response to a significant event. That's what it's like infuriating to me. Yeah. That's a normal. That is normal. And, and somehow, I, and I been... think for for those people um, that are that experience that trauma um, when they get repaired, let's say, or they get either they they rewire their brain, they're actually better than they were they were before. So instead of oh, yeah. right, right. instead of looking at them as being broken. Uh, where they don't want you back at that service. The reality is, is that they're better. And here's another example of what the, some things that they're doing in Australia is there's an organization there that, um, that employs emergency workers that can't go back to their first job. This, this organization, they, they, uh, what they do, uh, and we're trying to get this happening in Canada as well. So for emergency workers that can't go back to work, what they've done, you know, their treatment, uh, they now have this extra skill set that is, um, that is desirable by many companies. So in Australia, yeah. they, there's a company that supports these men and women and they find them jobs and they cannot fill the, the, these jobs quick enough with these people. So a lot of them are or, like companies, like big organizations, and they hire these people for um, like safety. So they'll oh, say, wow. okay, come into this building and you tell us all the risks that are involved in that building. You know, most of us are super hyper vigilant, even if we're not security experts, I would be able to go in a building and say like, yeah, these are the things that freak me out about this building. 
Yeah, this is the thing because of the, everybody because right. we've seen it happen. Yeah, because yeah. of the trauma I've had. Right. right. So that's yeah. a skill set that you Dang. only get with years. So these companies, these big companies, are hiring these uh, emergency workers. Most of them are police officers, uh, and they are super valuable. They are a valuable asset for these companies. Um, and then these men and women are finding value in what they what they've learned. Um, however, their own organizations don't want them back, right? Which is really sad. Uh, yeah, I think the leadership yeah. in public means- safety is just ignorant. I don't. I just think it's a yeah. lack of education. I'm I hoping so the next too. generation, because of things like you're doing and things like we're doing, is going to they're they're going to have a different outlook. But yeah. that tees us up to, that you're teeing up the images that we want to talk about, which is, I mean, amazing that their own departments don't want them. So yeah, I. I Let's talk about the real elephant in the room. Let's talk about suicide. I want to talk about the devil and the firefighter. All right. So I'll describe what it is for people that don't haven't seen it or haven't looking at it right now. It's the, it's a firefighter who's hanging by a noose. He's dead. And the devil is holding onto the noose. So the devil has the rope in his hand and he's screaming at this dead firefighter who's hanging by a heavy, heavy, heavy picture. I mean. um, and it's, and it's the result of something that happened here. And, but that isn't about suicide. That is about the stigma around suicide. Uh, so when I posted that and did the narrative for it, uh, I kind of quoted a lot of things that I heard um, when I hear about an emergency worker that takes their own life. Uh, you know, you're a coward. You know, how can you do this to your family? You know, how selfish are you? Right. Yeah. Sure. Like it's, there's, they're being stigmatized even in death, which I think is horrible. You know, some people think it's a sin. You're going to go to hell, uh, which I think is horrible. Um, and that's, that's why I did that picture. I created that image uh, to bring awareness to the stigma involved around suicide with emergency workers. And my, my um, opinion, my view is that my take on it is that when emergency workers take their own lives through suicide, they have succumbed to their mental injuries. Um, just like if you were in a physical injury yeah. or traumatic injury and you die in the hospital two, a couple of days later, then you have succumbed to your injuries. But in, oftentimes, you know, it takes us two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years to succumb to our mental injuries. Uh, and that's how I see it <clears throat> again, no different than physical injuries when they take their lives. That's I think they have succumbed to their mental injuries. You also have yeah. line of duty. Is this a line of duty death? Yeah. So yeah. And I say, and, and I consider those line of duty deaths. Right. Right. So it's, yeah, they have succumbed to their, their, their mental injuries and it should be considered a line of duty death in my opinion. So Absolutely. Let me explain. I think I commented when I saw that um, you're prolific. So I, I, I don't get all of your work, but um, I try to see as much as I can. And it was just one of those days that I'm like, I'm beating my head. It's, this has been five years of me beating my head against a wall it, as, as a civilian in the mental health world of first responders. So that's been five years. I know there have been huge ups and downs and many times that I've been like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. I don't need to do this. I'm not getting paid for it anyway, what the hell? And it, when I saw it, I think it was two days ago, maybe, and I, I, I commented on it because it was, I saw that and I was in a real shitty place when I saw it. And it just like, it still makes me like want to cry because I'm like, I see it was so profound and so powerful 
So my first response was, you know, it hit me in the heart. Like, this is what I'm, I, my heart goes out to all of you guys for the, any pain. And then I sat there, like, as I was like getting ready to cry. And I was like, that devil, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> it turned, it turned into this rage that like, I was like, I'm not done with this. Cause I was feeling so overwhelmed and defeated and I immediately was like, it struck, it put me back on track. It put me back onto, nope, we're going to fight this and we're going to figure out how to get, there's so many amazing techniques that you can do that's preventative and that reg is regulating. You can do self-regulation. It takes three to five minutes if you do a session of havening after each shift. I mean, three to five minutes. Wouldn't it be amazing if a if a captain was trained in that? And it's this. This is all you're doing. You're rubbing your palms together for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. It's you know, it's it's based in neuroscience. It produces a delta wave for God's sakes. Three to five minutes. You could do that daily. What is that going to do? It's going to go ahead and decrease your cumulative stress. For when you have that acute stress, it's going to be easier to manage. It's also with neuroplasticity and muscle memory, the more often you do it, as I'm doing it right now, the more often you do it, the quicker it comes because of the muscle memory. So it's like that kind of stuff that's just so stupid easy. But yeah, there and there's a lot of there's a lot of really simple things that could that a lot of us can do. Yeah. Uh, but again, we just don't we just don't know, or they're not in the forefront, or or leadership doesn't know or they don't want to they don't want to they know don't want to bring it in uh because if they bring it in then then they're scared that well now everyone's gonna want to is gonna do it and they're all gonna be they don't want a weak they don't want a weak uh workforce they want they want the a team they want um top gun pilots they don't want normal yeah, pilots. The perceptions perception of weakness like that that image really resonated with me and I totally got it because there was a firefighter in our community that killed herself by hanging and she was vilified before and after. Yeah. And I could just see her face in that gear with the devil screaming at her, like, like as if, you know, it's not enough, you know, she's, she's yeah. gone. We're still going to scream at her. We're still going to smash it. And that, and that's <laughs> what happens, right? Even after they've taken their own lives, the stigma still happens. And even in that post, even though I wrote about the stigma and how horrible it was, people still commented, oh yeah, suicide's an easy way out for, for emergency workers. Yeah. Right. Like so I, even that, oh. there were still other emergency workers commenting on there about the like, stigma on it. And you're I'm not like, there so yet. You're not I'm there like, yet. That totally uh, proves my point. No. Like yeah, were- okay. And that being said, so I reached out to you before um, because it's got to be hard for you to post this and see there some responses or to see the pain in some of the responses or to see the yeah. ignorance in some of the responses. And I, it, how do you handle that? Cause I yeah, know you're, that's a great question. You, and for that one, for sure. Cause that one, I lost a lot of followers on that one because I posted that and they were polite about, and they were polite about it. <laughs> so they would send me a message. Hey Dan, I love your artwork. Uh, but this, this really should have a trigger warning. Cause this one really, and it was, you know, it would be, you know, I, I tried to hang myself once and I was, someone saved me. And so that really hit hard with me. Um, so I can't follow your work anymore, but I love it. Right. And I said, I'm like, well, I'm so sorry that I triggered you and I appreciate your set. So they weren't mean about it. And right. I totally understand that. Um, Those are called symptoms. Like, I, yeah. I, and yeah. that's the other thing. So I was, and I'm always, and I talked to a psychologist about this when I first started 
when people first started really looking at my artwork and following it and, you know, I knew when I would post it, it would, you know, a million people would see it. Um, I certainly did not want to cause trauma to anybody. Uh, so I consulted a couple psychologists and the psychologist that I was seeing at the time, I'm like, Hey, I'm, should I not share these things? They're all personal to me anyways. Um, I'm worried I'm going to trigger someone. And he told me two things. He said, one, it's more important to acknowledge it than to, than to, you're going to do more harm by not acknowledging it than ignoring to sweep it, it on, than ignoring it. So if you, that same person that's triggered by it, they have those symptoms already. Like it's, yep. you didn't cause the symptoms there to have them. Uh, and by acknowledging them that they might actually uh, cause pursue them to more help. pursue what more they, help. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. If you can't look right. at some of your images, then it's yeah. time to take some steps. Well, yeah. I, and then, I, so, and, and then the second thing he said was, Dan, it's not even about your artwork. Um, if somebody is triggered by it, it's more about their own experiences and less about your artwork. So even though they may blame the artwork, it's more about your, their experiences because 10 people can look at the image and 10 people have completely different reactions to it. Right. Um, so he says, yes, keep doing it. Keep sharing it um, because you're, you're, you're acknowledging it and you can't, you can't get it. You can't treat something if you don't know what it is or it's not acknowledged. Uh, so he said it was very important to do that. So that's what I keep totally. doing. Totally. And I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and add more to this. I'm not sure if we did this in our correspondence or not, but I have um, some of my like badass peer support, really high functioning, awesome people that I showed your work to and wild artist, wild, like funky artwork and showed your work. And I don't like his work. And I was like, that does, I don't understand. What, what are you talking about? And he said something, I was like, I don't get it. This is so, you, you, this is you, this is cool. And he was like, I don't want to be reminded. And I looked at him, I go, you're dysregulated. Mm-hmm. If you are, you are hanging on by a thread, if you can't look at it right now, because you're running so fast. And he was yeah. so overworked and overcharged. And I'm like, if you of all people can't look at this and appreciate it for what it is, then that means that you're just building and building and building and building stuff because you're working so damn hard and not addressing stuff. So your work, yeah, your work is, I mean, it should be used in classes almost to- To diagnose, to diagnose PTSD. I think it is. I think a lot of, I think a lot of therapists do use it as part of their therapy. I think they use it as as, um, exposure therapy in some cases. Yeah. Uh, But they'll buy my book and- I can see that in my books and, sure. and have people go through it. But yeah, again, I, I because it's so personal to me and I'm not, again, I, I've learned that, you know, someone looks at it and, and they just, they hate it. Uh, then I know it's less about the artwork because it's right. You shouldn't it's hate about it. where they are. It's, it's about where they are. Yep. And I have, I have nothing to do with that. Wow. Dan. That, yeah. That's some heavy shit. So, um, let's, let's stop here for the week. Everyone remember, remember all the tools we've given you so far, practice your breathing, practice your techniques, and tune in with us next week as we continue our conversation with Dan's son, and we work towards a brighter and better tomorrow.